Welcome and thank you for joining us for this episode of Ganado Meets, where Ganado team members meet sector leaders to informally discuss topics of interest. I'm Matthew Bianchi, a partner Ganado Advocates heading the insurance practice. And for today's session of Ganado Meets Finance, I'm very grateful to have with us the chairperson of the Malta Insurance Managers Association, Elizabeth Carbonaro. Liz has been a chairperson of the association for the past three years, is an accountant by profession, and has been an insurance practitioner for over 20 years. She is currently the regional managing director of Willis Towers Watson's global captive practice for Western Europe. Welcome, Liz, and we're delighted to have you on our podcast today. Thank you. Delighted to be here. As its name implies, the Malta Insurance Association, which you chair, is an association for representatives of insurance managers. Are there many so, uh, insurance managers in Malta? Can you tell us a bit about them? Um, yes, there are, there are quite a few insurance managers in Malta. Um, most of them are um, international insurance managers. So, you know, we've, we've got uh, um, Aon, Marsh, Willis Dars Watson, obviously where I'm from, Artex, 2RS, uh, USA Risk, SRS, and B Insurance Management, which is probably one of, the, one of the few local insurance managers in Malta. That's quite a number. Yes, and I mean, we've been around since probably around the early, early 2000s. So immediately, you know, Malta started making a name for captive insurance, and the managers started coming in. I believe Marsh was the first one to set up, then Aon, Willis, and then others, you know, started. And there was this build-up to it. No, you started to sort of build up to the big event in 2004 when you joined Europe. Yes, exactly. So so there was a bit. I mean, um, yes, there were one or two local managers before that, um, you know, when Malta was still an offshore centre. But the international ones moved in, obviously, the moment we joined Europe. And I think there's one one of them is still around, no? Yes. B was initially... B, in fact, is part of the the Mapfrey Middlesea Group. So they were the original insurance managers in Malta. What does the association do? I mean, what can you tell us about its function, its role, its its responsibilities? The association really looks at um, the interests of of our general business sector. So uh, um, obviously, we all have our own individual clients. We've contributed a lot to bringing the business over to Malta. Um, we also recognize that you know what makes any jurisdiction attractive is the jurisdiction itself, the structure of the, ju- the jurisdiction, the people that are actually in that that jurisdiction. And what we do is we promote we promote that. So effectively, you know we we interact a lot with the regulator, we interact with finance Malta. We obviously interact also with our own groups where, where they're part of international. Uh, international groups. So we do our best to up the profile of um, of the local markets. Presumably you're attending conferences internationally and Yes, yes, speaking. we do attend. Yes, we attend we attend most of the of the international captive um, forums primarily in Europe. So you know, we've attended Luxembourg once, Firma, you know, we've attended all of them either ourselves as Mima or um, under the banner Finance Malta, where obviously we are members of Finance Malta. And uh, you know they, they assist us in the in these events. It's probably pertinent to point out that MIMA is not a um, um, it is a pure association. We do not have employees. You know, so it is the it is the members themselves um, that dedicate the time to promote to promote the industry and to promote um, you know the association um, as an association. I suppose the industry is dependent on sort of having a relationship, a good relationship, a working relationship with the regulator, no? With the MFSA, maybe with the company registry too. I mean, do you 
sort of interface with the authorities at all as an association for clients? Yes, we do interface. We interface primarily with the MFSA. Um, so obviously, every even us as individual companies clearly have our own relationships with the MFSA. But as me, myself, you know, we then present a common front um, in those areas which concern us as an association. You know, there are certain things where it benefits everyone to have things in place. And that's really where we join forces um, as an association. I mean, areas, historic, well, past areas where we've done this is, for example, introduction of solvency too. you know, whereas an association, you know, we ensured all of us got the training. We, you know, we discussed the, the principle of proportionality with the MFSA. So, you know, we, we, we got together in these technical, in these technical areas where everyone was impacted. Um, so, yes, the other areas where sometimes we do, but maybe to a slightly lesser extent, is uh, is we do also have relationships with the Mortar, uh, Mortar Accountants Association, so the MIA. Um, there, we tend to work with them on things concerning taxation, on things concerning, you know, accounting, technical Practice. accounting practices. We have also, in certain cases, also um, grouped up with the with the local insurance um, brokers association and the Malta insurance accountant. Uh, uh, sorry, insurance uh, brokers, brokers and, and insurers association. Sorry, so the MIA and and um, and that again is looking at it when we're looking at certain things linked to conduct, linked to again technical insurance stuff where our clients. Um, you know, are in the same in the in, in the same pot as the local market. So they you have points of conversion. Where there are points of conversion, you know, we, we meet up and we discuss as a global insurance market. And I know you're a founder, no, as an association. The association is a founding member of the Finance Malta. Yes, we are a founding member of Finance Malta because obviously our clients are, are mainly not Maltese. Um, as in the uh, you know the uh, promoters and the shareholders te- are not local or Maltese companies. They will tend to be international companies. Obviously, when you're talking about captives, you're talking about large um, conglomerates, for want of a better word. We also have a number of uh, of insurers, you know, that do also form part of insurance groups. Um, so that's why we've got this affinity with Finance Malta because it's obviously promoting Malta as a domicile for people outside of Malta. Its main function is business development and exactly. you are in that area. And that we're area. in that area. Obviously, there's a, there's a sort of, you have to marry the interests of MIMA and the members who are managers, like you said, and then your clients. So do you find that MIMA is also sort of there voicing your clients' concerns, so the insurance companies and the captives and the sales, for instance, or is it just about... MIMA members. No, it's, not, it's it's actually not. It's really not about the MIMA members. To be perfectly honest, we, we don't really push ourselves forward. It's it's about our clients' needs. So whenever we have discussions with the MFSA, we're not talking about us as the manager. We're talking about our clients. So um, uh, no, I would say probably promoting us as the manager takes takes the background. It's it's our interest for clients. Well, that brings us together. And that probably is the natural way of. T- or, or Things have to. Uh, yes, it is. I mean, ultimately, you know, we all have our own businesses. We all manage them, you know, in our own way. We all have very good relationships with the MFSA. So, you know, our common ground is that is our clients is generating the business and making sure our clients um, are getting the service, for want of a better word, that that any domicile should be giving them. So, in in a sense, you'd probably describe it as a sort of symbiotic relationship between you, 
the, the, the MFSA and your clients. You also yes. are interdependent. Yes. They need you, you need them. Right? Yes, exactly. I mean, there are, when we're looking at it from a client's point of view, obviously there are certain things which are specific to a client, at which point then, you know, you're addressing the MFSA as the, you know, as the manager. There then are a number of areas which are common issues for clients, and that's where we then approach the MFSA as an association, you know, where, where certain things apply to a number of, of clients across all the managers. And there, obviously, that's where we go in with our manager, our insurance management hat on. There's a, there's a sense in the market at the moment that the financial services um, area needs more people, needs more talent. And you mentioned training before as one of the missions of the association. Do you find you're doing enough? Can you be doing more? Or what, how much are uh, you doing? I mean, you can always do more. <laughs> there's, uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, we have, you know, we have tried and we have done what, what we can do, you know. So, you know, we have, in the past, we've organized um, uh, seminars, we've organized um, conferences, either bringing in our own, you know, our own groups, uh, you know, people from our own groups or, you know, interacting with, with the, the larger accounting firms and audit firms. And we've organized conferences. So... Um, and training sessions. So we have done that. Um, uh, have we done enough? You know, like I said, there's never enough. The other thing, obviously, is that the way it's historically happened is that the the training that we've given, you know, we've organized these things, um, has always been probably geared more towards the people already in the insurance industry, the people already working with us, people working with our clients or our clients' offices in Malta, and obviously even people working with other insurance companies in Malta. Possibly where we have not addressed yet, and I think I, I would like to see that moving forward, is we haven't addressed the students, we haven't addressed university, we haven't addressed, you know, people studying, um, you know, for their insurance exams, you know, like the the uh, the UK exams and, and, and these sorts of things. So we haven't necessarily approached the students. And I think that is where I would like to, moving forward, see something and if I mean, for the benefit of those students who are listening or will listen to this podcast, what would you say are the sort of the two, three areas in insurance that you know they can look forward to possibly getting into? I know, for instance, an obvious one would be accounting to do with insurance, or maybe, um, uh, for instance, compliance to do with insurance, regulatory compliance. I, because it, it's easy to say there's a market in insurance, join it. But what is it all about? There's very little. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go a step before the actual work itself. I'm going to go to the level of the opportunity that our market gives to people, not just in Malta but also outside of Malta. As we mentioned, you know, the, the, our members are are all part of international groups. All of us are part of international groups. And the reality is that when you join a firm like ours, you're fine. You might be working for the Malta firm, but there are offices, we have offices all over the world, which means the opportunity, there's an opportunity to travel, there's an opportunity to deal with with people outside of Malta, there's an opportunity for growth, which isn't limited to us. So I would start as that, as my first, um, in that it is something which in the long, in the long run can give you a growth, a, 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 a career which is, you know, which takes outside of Malta. Some people like that, some people don't. 
So that's the first. The second, as you're mentioning, is then... It's a bit of an opportunity to, to work it, abroad. It's an ex- opportunity to work uh, abroad. And to be honest, you can work abroad. You're, you're working on foreign clients, obviously. You can actually work abroad. It doesn't actually mean you're necessarily going to leave Malta. That's up to you. You can, you know, in this day and age, and, and COVID has shown it, effectively, you can work on clients. You can work from wherever you want to be. Um, so that is one. It gives you a global outlook because these are global groups that are operating in this area. And our clients are global clients as well. Um, you know, mass, massive clients. I see. So, so you are going. So, as a person in working in the sector, you are going to be working in an international market, yes. whether it's local. That's the point. Malta, you, exactly. You're, you're working exactly. I mean, that's, uh, that's an interesting. Uh, Maybe that number, doesn't come out enough. No, and there, I mean, there are a number of the larger captives in Malta. You know, which are these massive, massive names. Uh, you know, in the automotive, in 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 manufacturing, in massive the banking names, in the banking, work. even in the insurance. You know, we've got some really massive names in Malta. Um, so that's it at the first level. Like, is it is it something that interests you in terms of saying, I want to look at something where I can grow in my career in the future? Beyond the size of this Beyond business. the size of this island. The second then is, as you're saying, is, is insurance management covers a lot of things. It covers the financial part because obviously you're managing companies, so there's the accounting part. It covers compliance. We are a very heavily regulated area. We're dealing with insurance products we're effectively protecting people you know we are allowing people to sleep at night because they're covered so you know there's therefore opportunity for insurance professionals there's risk management which is you know part and parcel certainly part and parcel with with captives because that is part of a full ERM system and then you also have uh, um, you know, other areas you've got. You can then, you know, specialize in particular areas in, re- in reinsurance, in policy wordings, in, in whatever. You know, it, it's, 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 it encompasses a number of different uh, um, areas, including overall general management, you know, managing a, an entity, managing a company. So when you think of sort of the full ecosystem in this area, how many people are we talking about in terms of the management um, companies, their staff, their clients? Are you promoting substance for the for your clients and more, et cetera, et cetera? So how many people are we talking about? How many people can the market take? I would say probably at the moment, to be honest, I'm not too sure how much we, I th- we employ, what, 200, 300 people probably within the insurance, within our international insurance markets, probably around that much, um, uh, which mightn't seem like a lot. But to be honest, for a size of Malta, where all these people are all, all, professional, qualified, specialized people. It's not a small number of people. Um, you, you know, you spoke about substance, Matt. Yes, there is a mix of that. If you're talking about a traditional captive, um, then no, well, most of the captives are managed fully by us as the managers. Um, I'm not going to go into the technicality of what a captive is, but effectively, it, it doesn't necessarily need a full-time person. What you need are people that understand the business, um, and therefore we as managers do that. You then have a number of the larger captives. You've got a number of the larger groups that have set up uh, affinity type insurance where they, they are now employing, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 people, you know. So, and again, they are all either claims handlers or underwriters or accountants or, or compliance people. And that is growing. The reality is, I mean, Brexit obviously also had an impact on us. So, so there were a number of, of insurance companies that obviously used Malta as their as their Brexit solution. And those are normal insurance companies, you know, protecting uh, companies, c- protecting individuals for all types of risks, you know, from 
bog standard motor to the more you know complex Finex type type products, and those obviously need to employ people. Yeah, no, for the maybe for the benefit of of our listeners, I think the difference here is um, when you talk of a captive, it's an in-house insurer and insurance company within a group. When you talk yes. of a of an of a normal insurance company, it's one that writes business for third parties. Exactly. Who, who are not exactly the, the captive effectively is a very integral tool. It's a very integral risk management tool for larger groups, um, uh, where they effectively self-insure an element of their risks via the captive. And maybe in a sense, this is this industry's problem. So you you are not a, a very visible as an industry because you're in-house. So you have a big insurance company for a big automotive group, as you mentioned, and there are a number of those in Malta. And yeah, they're not visible to the world out there. Yes. People don't see them and they purposely don't want to be seen because they're not selling to the world. Yes, yes, they're not selling to the world. And um, exactly, they're not selling to the world. And we do have some that obviously sell, you know, some some to, to some locals, but you know, to Maltese people. But it's not the norm. Let's maybe shift away from Mima and look at the market where Mima exists in. Yeah. Um, do you see opportunities out there, say, on the horizon or even closer, possibly, which we can tap into? And where do you see the market go? So I, I hear a lot about, for instance, and I know because as a lawyer, I, I practice in this field too. That there's um, you know, almost a unique selling point around protected cell companies in Malta. And now we're hearing a bit about InsurTech. Maybe tell us a bit about these and where you, where else you see opportunities as a Willis um, head. Yes. So protected cell companies, I think, is one of those is one of those uh, um, uh, structures which which is particular from a European Union point of view is particular to Malta. So we are the only EU jurisdiction that actually has the PCC protected cell company legislation. Um, what is a PCC? A PCC effectively is a vehicle which um, it, it's it, it's a vehicle which which can house a number of mini vehicles for want of a better I like word. to describe it to people who know <laughs> nothing about it like a hotel as compared to a home. So a hotel gives you a room in a bigger complex. Yeah, that's a good one. I've never heard it like that, yeah. That's, and, that's, uh, uh, and the house yeah. gives you more or less the same thing, <laughs> but it's <Exactly>. yours. <laughs> yes, um, I agree. So effectively what you have is, you know, you've got, you've got your core, you've got your central um, body, and then off that central body, you can create mini companies um, within that structure. The primary benefit of that um, is, is, uh, is twofold. One, there is an, an actual capital benefit, you know, so you can have the smaller companies, you know, that might not wish to, to uh, you know, tie up so much capital. So a cell allows them, it allows them, you know, to capitalize up to what their own risks are. Um, and the other, which is maybe a bit under, under, undersold, for want of a better word, is the, is the cost element. Because clearly it is, it is more cost effective to run a cell than it is to run a standalone company in its own right. And when I say cost-effective, I'm not just talking about, you know, the euros and and uh, and cents, you know, in terms of the actual running costs of the cell, which are cheaper, but it's also the time cost. So if you're looking at a normal captive or a normal insurance company, you've got your board of directors, that, you know, obviously they need to come down to Malta, meetings have to be held on site, you've got a number of committees. Um, there is a lot of management time. You got compliance, risk management, the works. So more friction with the system as opposed to a cell, which is sleeker. Yes, exactly. With a cell, effectively, you don't have um, the, the 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 structure sits at the board of the PCC, and the ones in Malta are obviously all um, 
you know, the offices that have been the bulk of the directors are Maltese directors of all of them, as far as I'm aware. So effectively, you know, you're in Malta and you, you know, you attend your board meeting and you do your work as a director. Um, whereas the idea of the cell, especially for these larger groups, allows them to operate in a, in a well-governed manner, but without the need of excessive management time, which in this day and age is important. Um, and we, we have, you know, there are a number of the cells in Malta, in fact, a significant part, you know, part of the cells in Malta, are not necessarily owned by small groups, they are owned by massive, massive groups, manner. you know, massive groups that can actually have their own captives set up. But they prefer utilizing the cell because it gives them what they need and it saves management time, which in this day and age is is a massive cost. That's interesting because you think small cells, small business. And yeah, you think, saying... and, and it's not. And I think originally, and I think originally that is how it was sold. I use a cell, it's small, small risks. But nowadays, you can place, this is the thing with a captive. With a captive, you can have a massive risk, massive value. But it's still a one policy. Yeah. It's still a risk which is covering, I don't know, a catastrophic risk. It's still a risk which is covering property, where you might, where you, where in most cases, you will have very low frequency, high value. So if you have one or two claims a year, there could be massive valued claims. You need to have a vehicle which is, you know, a, a company in its own right. Taking up all that admin time. Taking up all money. that admin time and all that. That's not to say, okay, that standalone captives don't have their own use. Let's be really clear. But the idea of the cell now is also being looked at in the context of that, in the context of saying, I'm saving management time. Even more so, I would argue, with the likes of COVID, where people have realized there's no, there's been an element of restrictive tra travel. You know, okay, regulators have been very understanding about it. But... I think people now are getting used to the fact that, you know, I can e I can equally have a good meeting via Teams or via, you know, Zoom or whatever it is. It's still good meeting face to face, but the cell makes that even more not just possible but fully acceptable, even from a regulatory point of view. Yes, because which coming, is where it comes. coming back to governance, the governance exactly. structure is going to be in the PCC. Exactly, the governance structure is in the PCC, and and as I mentioned, you know the the, the you know the PCCs we have in Malta, they all have a predominant Maltese board of directors, predominant Maltese management, and prisons, and prisons. Um, so let let's just maybe focus um, before we conclude on you know the opportunities out there within shorter cancels because that seems to be something we can. C is is there, but we haven't quite tapped into it as a jurisdiction. Yes, I mean that's an interesting one. It's it's the insure tech is 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 uh, is is the latest. No, it's it's we do see we we do there are a number of clients in Malta to be honest where they're not necessarily captives. They're niche underwriters that do have insure tech behind them. Maybe not to the extent that one would actually expect in terms of AI or stuff like that, but they have the starting of it. Yes, cells could work very well with InsurTech, depending obviously on the risk you're writing, because you know um, the other the other area with InsurTech though, which in certain cases it could be it could a cell could be an ideal vehicle for a small niche InsurTech type business. In other cases, it might not, because it it, it really depends on how aggressive and innovative those policies are. Um, innovation is obviously good. Insurance policies are slowly, slowly becoming more and more innovative. Risks are, are changing. Um, and the speed is becoming very important. 
the reality is that sometimes you can't have both speed if you've got full control of a board of directors, as opposed to a cell where perceptionally it might be perceived there is less speed because you've got to rely on another board. Having said that, though, um, I do see cells as being a, a pretty good vehicle for InsurTech, even as an incubator. You know, you start off in a cell and then it transforms I'm using the word loosely, okay, transforms. It transforms into a standalone company. Once that substance comes in, once that business comes in, once those volumes come in. Sales are very good incubators. And do you think the regulator is attuned to that sort of development process? So the morphing out of a cell into a into an insurance company, do they see that as a passage which is viable? I think they see it, but it's... I don't think the law necessarily caters for it fully as we would wish it. And that's one of the areas that does mean that we are really talk, you know, trying to talk to the regulator to bring this in. You know, so those these are one of the current areas that we're discussing at the moment on how we can make this easier, how we can facilitate it, how a cell can actually convert into a standalone company in its own right in an easier in an easier manner. Fashion. Without having to, you know, go through lots of extra hurdles legally exactly. or regulatory. Exactly. All right, was there anything else you wish to, to add before we broke off the podcast? Um, no, I think I think we've covered a lot. I, I mean, I think maybe one of the areas that I might maybe say is is that, um, you know, certainly insurance at the moment is, is one of those um, industries and captive business, one of those industries which at the moment is really thriving. You know, the market is what it is internationally. Um, premiums are going up. Capacity is reducing in certain areas. And therefore, captives are becoming more and more, more and more attractive. I mean, the amount of feasibility studies that you know we perform is is unbelievable. Um, and re- as Malta, we really want to start bringing more and more of those, you know, uh, feasibility studies into fruition into the actual setup of the captive, because it really is. It really is now is really the time for 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 captives. You have a hardening market out there, massive hardening market, and it's here. I'd say probably for the next year, year and a half. Um, uh, so we need to take advantage of it. I totally agree. Thank you for joining us today and stay tuned for upcoming episodes of Ganado Meets Finance. Thank you.